This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stenevec. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's a weekly podcast bringing you a highlight or favorite interview from the week. And this week, it's really a simple question, Carol. Do you want to be famous? I really did love this interview. It's a question asked by a new HBO Max documentary. It provides really a window into the world of influencers. It's called Fake Famous. It's been described as a year-long social experiment to turn three individuals into Instagram influencers behind the camera, in front of the camera, and creating the influencers is veteran technology journalist Nick Bilton. He's written for Vanity Fair, The New York Times. He's also the author of the book Hatching Twitter, a true story of money, power, friendship, and betrayal. By the way, it's a good book. He wrote, produced, and directed the documentary. And we began with just kind of asking how it all came about. I've been a technology reporter for almost 20 years now, and um, I was at Vanity Fair about five years ago, and Graydon Carter was my editor-in-chief. And, you know, we were kicking around a few documentary ideas over the years. And a couple of years back, he said, oh, we should do a documentary on influencers. Uh, And I said, oh, well, the whole industry is a, a bit of a joke. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I could make an influencer in 10 minutes. And he said, well, that's our documentary. And um, and that was essentially how this all began. And I had been at the New York Times. Uh, I'd written about bots, you know, these these uh, fake accounts that exist on social media that can be created by uh, writing code and so on. And I had written about the rise of them and how advanced they were getting over the years. I had then written about them when I was um, at Vanity Fair talking about the election, how Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton both had millions and millions of fake accounts following them. And, of course, influencers uh, employed these same tactics, and that was essentially what we wanted to show in the film. And, Nick, you say that influencer culture is a, is a bit of a joke, but, hey, there's there's real money behind this, and, and there's real money behind it still, even though it seems like a lot of people and, and companies are in on the joke. Well, I think it's interesting because there is real money behind it, um, but it's at the same time, it's not, it's, it is so inauthentic in, in the way that the money you know, changes hands in the way that influencers essentially purport to be kind of these these new bearers of ideas and, and culture and, and consumerism and so on. It's, you know, when we really kind of show this in the film, I mean, one of the things that we talk about is is how influencers, the entire concept of it uh, is, is, a, is, a, is very similar to advertising, but even more extreme in that the whole goal is to make you feel worse about yourself so that you want to experience what an influencer experiences in their wonderful life of their free vacations and their fancy Lamborghinis and this, that, and the other. And, and really, they're getting all this stuff for free, but they're not necessarily being honest about whether they actually like it or not. It's- and so... Sorry. Well, well, this is this is like kind of social media at its core, though, right? It's not just influencers oh, who, yeah. are, who are posting the highlight reel, right? This is like how how normal people use Instagram, right? They they show off the best parts of their lives. It's like the holiday letter, you know, the trips to yeah. Africa, and the kids are all getting straight A's <laughs> on steroids. Yeah. Well, it's it's completely true. I think that you know, Instagram, I I personally believe is is the the worst at this. Is the, they're the guiltiest of it because. Instagram was founded on this idea of of being deceptive to the viewer, and it, um, the whole point of filters that were, that were the highlight of Instagram was to make your your really bad photo look really good by just pressing a single button. And it and the the founders of Instagram they wanted it to feel like like a Vogue magazine or a Vanity Fair. They wanted people to post these beautiful shot images and make it appear as if 
you know, that was the life that you were living. And I think that the end result of that was that you now have a, a system in place where I think it's just the most inauthentic platform on the Internet. Every every platform has their problems. You have Twitter where it's, you know, everyone's just angry at everyone else. And, <laughs> you know, they all have their thing. But, but Instagram, I think, is, is the absolute most deceptive of them all. Well, and talk about deception. I mean, it's like when you find out reality show, what do you mean that that's not real? Um, and you're finding it out with Instagram. And I love where, you know, you showed and you guys use like a toilet seat to be a plain window. Like who'd have <laughs> thunk? Like it's just amazing. A new toilet seat. A new toilet seat. <laughs> but what's interesting is, you know, and Tim had, you know, Tim and I were talking before we got going, you know, kids want to do this. They want to be influencers. They want to be famous, which is something you ask a group of of 20 somethings. Right. When you kind of line up a couple of people to, to, to work with. So the, 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 one of the other aspects of the beginning of this film that we did a lot of research into and I had, I had read about before was um, it, when you look at the studies that have been done, there's all these longitudinal studies that have been done, UCLA has done them, other, other um, universities too, where over the years they ask kids every single year, what do you want to be when you grow up? And back in the 60s and 70s, kids used to be a, wanted to be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. Back in the 80s, they started to kind of get a little bit interested in fame, but it was fame for something that they had done, like they wanted to be a basketball player or, or an actor or something. Fast forward to today, and kids just want to be famous, and they want to be famous influencers because they think that is the fast track to get there. And so now 87% of children, say, in America, say they want to be famous influencers when they grow up. And, you know, that's interesting that you say that because you do highlight three three people, Chris, Dominique and, and Wiley. And that's kind of without giving too much away. That's that's kind of the conclusion that that Chris comes to. Right. He, he talks about how he wants to be famous for, for being him. Yeah. So we you know, the film started off with this idea of like, let's go and get three people who have a very small following online. Let me go and buy them fake followers. Um, you know, fake bots that exist on social media. Let's do a bunch of fake photo shoots, as you said, where we, you know, we we took an airplane seat, you hold it up against the screen that looks like it's out of an airplane window, you take a photo, and it actually looks like you're in a private jet. Yeah, it's really amazing. A, the toilet seat. A, Look, we're all going to be like buying toilet seats now. <laughs> I know, right, to pretend we're on a fake private jet. And then we took, the, we took three people in this regard, did all this stuff, and then wanted to see which direction they would go. And we, we genuinely had no idea how it was going to work out. I didn't know if, if they would all become superstars or, they would, or it would just fail dismally. And we were really lucky that it took three different routes. We had one of the guys who was just like, I am not interested in this. This is ridiculous. Uh, this is all fake. I want real fame. I want, I'd rather not be famous than have fake fame. We had another guy who essentially panicked uh, in the middle of all this and was bullied online and shut his account down. And his story was pretty fascinating to watch and, and sad. And then we had our third person who essentially went all the way and became, a, a, for want of a better description, a famous influencer. And, um, and she, you know, got so much free stuff, all because we had bought her fake followers and it looked like she had hundreds of thousands of real followers. I mean, it, it was a it was a life changer in some ways for her, right? She was an actress, you know, and she talked about kind of going out beforehand and, you know, it wasn't so easy. But once she built up a, or you built up an Instagram following for her, she was getting callbacks and people would note that when she went back, you know, to those auditions. 
Well, I think that this is, I, I think, one of the saddest aspects of our culture today, especially business and, and, and people's, young people's pursuits of what they want to do when they grow up, you know, and get out of school and so on. When you go to an audition in Los Angeles as an actor and actress, the first thing they're looking at is how many followers you have on Instagram, which is just such a stupid metric, quite frankly. It just doesn't mean anything. It's like asking Meryl Streep, right, before yeah, <laughs> Instagram. exactly. Could you imagine if Meryl Streep had to, say, show how many followers she had on social media <laughs> before she got a, a gig? Uh, but, it, but it's not just that industry. It's every industry. Right. It's, it's writing. It's radio. It's just every it's news. single creative industry. And, it's, and I think it is such a... a, a just a, the wrong metric to be looking at. And I and I, I completely fault the people who run these industries for doing it, and I think it's just so short-sighted. But what was so evident in, in, the, uh, in the filming of the doc was that the Dominique, who, who we got to 350,000 followers, her life changed as a result. She got callbacks. She got, you know, there was one moment that we didn't put in the film where she, her mom was in town visiting her in L.A., and she was, they were trying to get into the fancy restaurant. They couldn't get in. Her mom showed her Dominique's Instagram account and, and showed how many followers they had, and they let her write it. Wow, I and can't believe like, that made the – I can't believe that hit the cutting room floor. Yeah. We, didn't, we, we didn't film it. So okay. it was just something that happened on the side. But, but it's just – just even that was just so ludicrous. And yeah. I think that um, – It's like a currency uh, almost. It's a currency. That's exactly what it is. So is this the way that you see things continuing, Nick, even though there is more scrutiny, you know, especially with this documentary around the industry? Because you do make the point that, hey, this is in the best interest of sort of everyone involved that this thing doesn't come tumbling down, this influencer culture. I mean, I think that uh, I think influencer culture has already burned itself, quite frankly. I mean, I think that the inf- most influencers live in a bubble and think that people believe that they're you know, that, that their lives are their lives. And I think most people realize that they're not. Um, I think that, you know, one thing it's, we have this expert on the, in the film, Justine Bateman, um, who of course was a child star and, and has gone on to written an amazing book about fame and what it means to society. And she says that these people are not famous. They're infomercial hosts. Hmm. You know, they're hawking a product. And, and that really stuck with me because I think at the end of the day, that's really what influencer culture is. It's just you're just a fancy infomercial host. And and one thing that's that was evident to us is we, we filmed some influencers doing certain things and, and behind the scenes they, they you know, they hated the trip they were on, they hated the hotel they were at, they thought the food was awful, but they still posted it lying, saying that they loved it because if they were honest they wouldn't get invited back or they wouldn't get invited to the next thing. And I think that that's what people really have to realize. When you're scrolling through your phone and you're seeing these people that live this so-called wonderful life. The reality is they're only showing you the peak, peak highlight, and even that is fake and exaggerated. But from a marketing perspective, this must work because it is working for brands and companies to send these influencers these things, and there is a return on investment or else they wouldn't be doing it, right? No, well, that's the thing. It's not. The thing is that they're, they're throwing, it works sometimes, for these marketing companies and these brands, but it doesn't work most times, and the marketing companies mm. don't know which ones are going to work and which ones are huh. not. So they just throw all the spaghetti against the wall and hope for the best. And really, for them, you know, you could buy a a, a TV spot on the Super Bowl, you know, and I, I don't know what it costs these days—millions and millions of dollars—or right. you can you can say, oh, we're going to work with 50 influencers or 100 influencers for the same amount of money. 
uh, one of them may may get that reach. And so I think that it, they don't. It, but it does not work in the in the respect of the way uh, most people think it does. Nick, you did talk with our own Bloomberg News reporter Sarah Fryer. She's our tech reporter, one of our tech reporters. She's written a book, No Filter: The Inside Story of Instagram. And I talked with her too before our interview. And, and she, you know. She and I were having a conversation. She brought up a good point. She goes, why has nobody done something, you know, or who should do something about all of this fakery on Instagram? You know, the fact that you, Nick, were able to buy all these followers and all this engagement for these regular people and make them look famous, get them brand deals. Is this on the companies? Is it on the FTC? I mean, what do we do? Well, I think that, the you know, when it comes down to it, the, the, the people that are most at fault here uh, beyond far and away are the technology companies. Um, it is not in their interest. And Sarah says this in the film, and um, this is something that, that both Sarah and I have reported in the past. It's not in their interest to to make sure that they 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 fix this. You know, Instagram supposedly has a billion users, right? Mm-hmm. And based on the experts we spoke to and bot dealers and things like that, you could you know it, it it's it's feasible that there are around. Half of the of the accounts on Instagram are fake or dead accounts or whatever. But Instagram has no incentive to get rid of those fake accounts because if they did, they wouldn't have a billion users. And if they didn't have a billion users, Facebook stock isn't worth what Facebook stock is. Advertisers don't think that they're, the value for what they're paying is worth what it is. And so they don't do anything to get rid of it. And I think the other aspect of it is that Instagram makes sure that the likes and the comments and the number of follows you have and all those little metrics that give people so much anxiety that they are so high up on the scale of things that you see. And I think that that is one aspect of the film that we really talk about, too, is is how it's leading to anxiety for kids and depression and so on and so forth. And Instagram does not care one iota. All they care about is their metrics. It's like a constant like popularity race. Um, and Completely. I, listen, yeah. Right? And like we talk about it here, you know, in news, like, you know, our followers and are you mentioned? And it's 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 crazy. And, and you think about on a younger population. I mean, I population. never talk about it. <laughs> but you think about on a younger population, <laughs> right? Like what this does to these kids. So I just want to go follow up on what you just said. I think I know the answer. So the valuations of these companies, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram within Facebook, you know, their user numbers, the metrics they are giving advertisers, is it all based on totally fake data? And does it even matter if they are? Because <laughs> does the ecosystem kind of work? I mean, the, the, the ecosystem, it's funny, the ecosystem, the system works. Uh, it, it really, truly does. I mean, it's funny, like on Instagram, I get I get ads that are sent to me that I'm like, oh, actually, I would click on that. I mean, I won't out of principle, <laughs> right? Because I don't want to give them the money. But, but they, you know, the targeting works. It, it, there's a reason that Google and and Facebook are are valued at what they're valued at simply based on advertising. So it does work. But I think that the reality is is that there is an incredible amount of deception going on at the same time from these companies, and I think that, and they're fully aware of it. You know, it's like. I mean, think about the advertising. You know, you can say, I want to advertise a pink bicycle to people who like pink and live in in this town uh, and, you know, wake up at 6 a.m. and and drink green juices. And you can do that. You can literally target that person and they'll probably click on your bike and buy it. But so if they they have the the technology and and the smarts to be able to pull that off, they also have the technology and the smarts to be able to kill the bots. But they don't. 
because it's not in their best interest. Because if they had to be honest, they would probably have half the number of users that they really have. And what's that going to do for their stock price? Right. Nick, you, you, by your own admission, have, have been covering these companies for about 15 years. Facebook just had its, its 17th birthday. Um, you open up the film with this sort of montage of, of you appearing on different television programs, saying that you used to be the one who would go on TV and, and defend these social platforms. It does seem like, though, in recent years, with fake news proliferating on Facebook and you know fake news and bad things happening on uh, Twitter, and then, of course, the, the rise of the influencer and the mental health issues that are associated with Instagram, it does seem like the, the conversation around social media has really shifted it from it being a tool that, you know, in the words of Mark Zuckerberg, right, is about connecting and sharing to more that that's one about, you know, the effect that these platforms are having on our lives in, a, in not a good way. When did that shift happen for you? When did you start to see that happening? So I think it's, it's a great question. And I think, you know, one thing I've noticed is, you know, the technology people, both reporters and people who work in tech and so on, who I know on a personal level, we were kind of all the the, you know, the nerds, if you will, that got on these platforms first. You know, we were the first ones on Instagram and Snapchat and, and Twitter. And, and I think in those early days, what was so intriguing about them was that they were what they said they were going to be. They were a place for you to connect and share things and, and, and take pretty photos and just have, have a, a, you know, and people could comment on them. And I think what happened is, is over time, they started to become the worst versions of themselves. Mm And, you know, Twitter, I think is just, I, I mean, I used to be on there 12 hours a day it would be in the background in the newsroom when I was working I was constantly tweeting links and articles and comments and thoughts and this that and the other I barely look at it now because it, it's so vitriolic it's got so much hatred and anger on there and and you can be you can see your career destroyed by for one tweet because someone doesn't like it and I think that um, you know all, all across the board these platforms have grown so quickly and so so big And the companies haven't put the effort forth to try to control them and try to make them, you know, work in the same way they did in the beginning. That um, that they are now in the place that they are. And and I and for me and all those early people to bring this back to what I was saying earlier, all those early nerds that start signed up, none of them use them anymore. Mm -hmm. None of them people who used to work at Twitter I know who built the platform do not use it. And I think that that the reason for that is because it has become. It's become such a bad thing in society. It's become so negative, and and I think that people are fed up. Well, I should say you did write the book Hatching Twitter. You wrote the book on Twitter, so you do know a thing or two about <laughs> the, the early days of Twitter. Yes. Well, and I would say, though, social influencers can also be good, and you point this out, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's Me Too, whether it's climate change, whether it's the Arab Spring, right? It can be a force for good. It can be, but I think that here's and, and, and there's no question if it what you know if it wasn't for, I mean the here I, look I can't say this definitively, but I guess the question is would Me Too have happened if it wasn't for social media? Would Black Lives Matter have happened if it wasn't for social media? There are certain people who say, well, Black Lives Matter, for example, you know, in the 1960s we had the civil rights movement that was no social media then. Right. So, the, mm, so that, you know, that, that's one argument some people make. I don't know if the answer is true or if it's not. I don't necessarily think Me Too would have happened if it wasn't for it. And I think that, you know, there are and the climate change stuff that's happening and, 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 and so on. I think that 
the reality is, though, that you know, the Kevin Kelly, who who started Wired, he's a, a, a technology philosopher, if you will, and he he said to me at one point, he said, "Look, when you look at technology, it makes there are always bad sides to it." And in, in in his opinion, technology makes society fifty one percent better and forty nine percent worse. Mm-hmm. So there there are bad things that happens. My opinion about social media today is that it makes things 51% worse and 49% better. And I think if, when technology starts to do that, it's time for us to question if we should be still using it or fixing it or how to fix it. Speaking of that, there is this scene in the, the movie where you're on your hands and knees cleaning up after your kids. I think you're picking up magnetiles. It's something that's very that's familiar right. in my household as well. I, I spend a lot of time cleaning up magnetiles. Um, what are your thoughts about your kids and, and social media, Nick, and your family and social media? Well, it's really interesting. I think the thing that I, I came away from in this film was, in the, you know, when I've written about tech in the past and and um, and different technologies and how they've changed and so on, I have been um, I, one of the things that, that has been interesting is I always thought that you had to teach kids when they were teenagers not to use you know, to be more aware of social media and, and technology and so on. I thought it was like a, it was a thing that you taught them when they were 12 or 13. And the thing that I've realized during the, making this film was that you need to be teaching them when they're three and four and five years old. Um, you know, Barton Day Thurston is one of the commenters in the movie, and he has this great line where he says, you know, when it comes to most things in society, we, we protect our kids from them. We, we, we don't let them go near a gun until they're 21 years old or 18 years old. We don't let them drive a car or drink and all, all these different things until they're that age. And when it comes to technology, we've left them to the wolves. And the wolves, of course, being those big, bad companies that all they care about are their metrics. And, and I think that uh, for me, I'm now teaching my kids, you know, when they look at YouTube and, and things like that and go online, that some of the things they see are not real and some of them are bad. So I just want to know, have you ever done a selfie in front of the pink wall in L.A.? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I have not done a selfie in front of the pink wall, but we, we did, um, when we shot the film, we, the opening of the film, there was a good three days we were there, and we, we definitely had some fun with our phones uh, messing around <laughs> in front of it. Well, it was a lot of fun to watch. And it's interesting what you say about kids, because you finish off the documentary showing oh, all yeah. of these pictures of kids on Instagram, obviously done like by their totally parents. disturbing, in my opinion. We, we, yeah, the, the end of the film, uh, which doesn't give anything away for listeners, but the end of the film, we, we wanted to bring it back to the beginning of the film where we talk about that study of mm-hmm. what kids want to be when they grow up. And, and I, I remember saying to, to the, one of the producers, like, oh, we should see if we can get some pictures of, like, kid influencers. And I'd never really looked at kid influencers before. And when we looked and, I, and we saw these photos, it was completely shocking to see these kids that are their influencers. And we were so lucky we had worked with Michael Abels, um, who did the music and the mm-hmm. score for the film. And he's done a lot of horror movies. And when he did <laughs> the music for the end, he said, I, he's like, I've got this. And he completely did. <laughs> That was veteran technology journalist Nick Bilton. The documentary is Fake Famous on HBO. One of the things I think you you and I both agree on, what was so disturbing, is just the little kids who want to be influencers. Yeah, I mean, I had this feeling, Carol, I don't know if it's okay to say, but what? as I was watching the documentary, I was like, okay, we really live in hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I think it's safe to say, and you see how kind of tortured people were 
uh, about the process. Um, I really love this film. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to listen to our Bloomberg Business Week daily radio show airing live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street Time on Bloomberg Radio. Are we influencers? I don't think so. I'm definitely not. But watch us on our daily broadcast on YouTube. Just search Bloomberg Global News. And you can also see me on Bloomberg Quick Take, available on Bloomberg.com slash QT, and streaming platforms like Roku, Apple TV, Samsung TV, and more. I'm Tim Stenovec. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg.